Oh, it was great. It was great. It was important for us. Um, we talked about how poorly we started the last game. And against great teams, you just can't have those type of starts, especially on the road. And I thought our guys had great carryover um, coming out of that locker room and just going out and fighting and scrapping and laying on the line. So I was very happy with our start, and I thought we played as, as good of a first half as, as you could play. We shot it well. A lot of good things. I loved everything about Scoot's game uh, tonight. You know, obviously he struggled from the field, but He's so much more than that. You know, you look at him, get nine assists, eight rebounds. Um, toughness that he plays with, uh, the fire that he plays with, the pace that he plays with. I thought it, it opened up the game for us tonight. So he's going to be the type of player that it doesn't even matter what his field goal, what, what it looks like. He could have been eight for 16 or three for 16. His floor game, his defensive, he can do so much, you know. So I love Scoop's game tonight. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. Chris, is uh, he just plays right. You know, he plays the right way. Um, he does the right things. He crashes the offensive glass, defensive glass. He doesn't miss very, very many assignments. So I thought, he, I thought he did a good job with his opportunity. Hey, this is Chris Murray, and you're listening to The Briefcase with Casey Holdall. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to The Briefcase. Episode 78 of The Briefcase. I'm your host, Casey Holdall, and that was Chauncey Billups discussing the Trailblazers' start in their 112-103 loss to the Denver Nuggets at Ball Arena on Sunday night, the second of two consecutive games versus the Nuggets in Denver that the Trailblazers played this weekend. Didn't get either one of those games, but saw some pretty decent performances from Scoot Henderson, as Chauncey Billups also referenced, and Chris Murray, who got his first start in Sunday's game versus the Nuggets. Chris Murray getting that start, seeing as Malcolm Brogdon and Jeremy Grant were both out for that game. We'll discuss those two games in Denver this weekend, briefly touch on Damian Lillard's return last week, consider the upcoming trade deadline, the recent play of Scoot Henderson, Portland's offensive and defensive rating, and the great run that the team is on versus the spread on this edition of The Briefcase. All right, this is going to be on the shorter side of things for a briefcase. I wasn't with the team this weekend in Denver, so I don't have any interviews for you necessarily. But just like you, I watched the games this weekend in Denver and came away feeling pretty good about the way the team had played. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and just touch real quickly on Damian Lillard's return to Portland last Wednesday with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Trailblazers winning that game 119-116 in front of a sold-out crowd at Moda Center. Easily the best crowd of the season, the best crowd of the last couple seasons, I would say, at Moda center and really outside of the game itself which was an exciting game hard to imagine that night going any better for the organization for portland and for the fans than it did obviously damien was very moved by the tributes two tribute videos the team played during the game obviously all the run-up to the game everyone wanted a piece of dame everyone wanted to know what he was doing what he was thinking he did a fantastic job of fulfilling all those obligations so you could tell i could tell personally that it was starting to weigh on him as we got closer and closer to it the Blazers end up going out having a very nice game, get fantastic production up and down the roster. Anthony Simons has a great game against one of his mentors, 24 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds in 38 minutes. Ant hit a go-ahead floater that basically didn't seal the game for the Blazers, but gave them the lead and gave them a chance to go on and win that game. DeAndre Ayton, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and 1 block in 35 minutes. DeAndre's been on a fantastic run lately as well. We'll probably talk about him on the next edition of the briefcase. 18 points, 4 assists, 2 steals for Jeremy Grant, 14 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds from Malcolm Brogdon. A great game for Scoot Henderson, particularly in the first half. 15 points, 4 assists. Maybe a little something extra there for Scoot Henderson playing against a guy who I don't think it was necessarily meant this way, but if you're Scoot Henderson, 
you could take Damien's trade request this offseason as, I don't want to play with Scoot Henderson, so send me somewhere else. And again, I don't think that's really what it was. But if I'm Scoot Henderson, that's probably how I'm taking it going into that game. And that seemed to be the way that he played it. But again, we've also been seeing a lot of really great play from Scoot Henderson lately, really starting to get his legs under him, really starting to understand his role on this team and in the NBA. We'll talk a little more about him here in a minute. And then another nice game from Dwap Reith, which we just come to expect, 10 points, four rebounds, an assist, and a steal in 13 minutes. Dame posting 25 points, seven assists, and six rebounds in 40 minutes, just on nine of 23 shooting, including three of 13 shooting. Didn't get a chance to get the last shot of that game, Brooke Lopez rather than passing it back to Damian Lillard to get that shot, which is what Doc Rivers said the play was supposed to be, decided to take it himself. Shot rims off, which is probably good for everybody, particularly those people who were cheering in Portland. Blazers go on to win that game by three points. Again, really a, a great night for the organization. Great night for Dame. Great night for fans of the Trailblazers and of Dame. Just all told, again, just a really nice night. Again, hard to imagine it going any better than it did. The Blazers get the win in a close game, in a game where Dame has a pretty good performance, but doesn't get to turn the lights out like he's done so many times to so many teams at the end of games. So an exciting night at Moda Center. Personally, I'm glad it's over, and I'm looking forward to subsequent returns for Damian being much more normal, being much more kind of a player that used to be on this team is back in town. That's always going to be a little bit different because, you know, he is, if not the definitely top three best players of franchise history. So it's always going to be a little bit different when Dame comes back to town. But it's not going to be like it was on Wednesday night. And while that was a great night, I don't really think we need to do that again. Well, with Dame's return in the books, the Trailblazers headed off for a weekend worth of games in Denver, Colorado. One on Friday, one on Sunday. Trailblazers coming back empty-handed in those games, losing the first game on Friday, 120-108. Anthony Simons in that game with 29 points on 11 of 23 shooting from the field, 4 of 10 shooting from 3 to go with 4 assists and 4 rebounds in 37 minutes. 30 points. Repeat, 30 points on 8 of 15 shooting from the field, 3 of 7 shooting from 3, and 11 of 12 shooting from the free throw line for Scoot Henderson to go with 5 rebounds and 2 assists in 37 minutes, his best scoring night of his career thus far. 11 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists from Malcolm Brogdon, 10 points, 2 rebounds, and 2 steals, and a block for Tawani Kamara, who started in place of Jeremy Grant, who didn't play in either game during that trip due to a sore back, and then 10 points, as I mentioned, Four rebounds for Duop Reith to go and assist and a steal in 21 minutes. Blazers doing a very nice job in that game. Went down early. Actually went up in the game for a brief amount of time. Get outlegged by the Nuggets as you figure might happen versus a team that's as good as the Denver Nuggets. After having Saturday off, the two teams meet up once again on Sunday at Ball Arena. Blazers have a much better start in that game as referenced by Chauncey Billups in the open. Blazers hold the lead, a double-digit lead for much of the game before going on to lose 112-103 Sunday night in Denver. 27 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, and a steal for DeAndre Ayton on 13 of 19 shooting. Once again, one of DeAndre's best games as a trailblazer. 26 points on 8 of 18 shooting from the field, 4 of 8 shooting from 3 to go with 9 assists and 6 rebounds for Anthony Simons. 14 points, 9 assists, and 8 rebounds for Scoot Henderson. Went just 3 of 16 from the field in that one, but coming really close to a triple-double nonetheless, having an impact on the game without scoring, which is something we've seen at times from Scoot throughout his rookie season. I think we're starting to see it more and more. He's becoming more and more comfortable figuring out ways to have an impact on the game, even if his shot isn't falling. 10 points, 6 rebounds for Tamani Kamara in that one who came off the bench with Chris Murray getting the start. 8 points, 2 assists, 
two rebounds, a steal, and a block for Chris Murray. Congrats to Chris for getting that first start. It was a rough start to the season for Chris Murray. He has made incremental progress as the season has gone on. I expect we're going to see more and more of Chris Murray in the second half of the season after the trade deadline. Technically, it's not the second half of the season. We're already into the second half of the season. We've already started to see his minutes tick up as the season has gone on. But as we get further into February and into March, I imagine Chris Murray is a guy who you're going to see his numbers increase quite a bit as we get into the last couple months of the season. So while the Blazers do go 0 for 2 on the weekend in Denver, playing some pretty decent basketball in those games. Now, granted, they are the kind of games where it felt like as soon as the Denver Nuggets decided, hey, we're just going to really focus and lock in here and we're going to win this game, it seems like they were capable of doing that. But at least the Blazers are past the point where teams just feel like they can go out and steamroll them at this point. I think teams are starting to realize as the Blazers have gotten more and more healthy, as they've gotten a chance to have the rotation set for a few games, that they're actually a team that's pretty good, that is not going to be a pushover, that is going to be a team that you're going to have to come in and play your best in order to win. The 76ers found that out. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks found that out. And the Nuggets almost found that out. Now, granted, the Nuggets were playing with their full complement of players. But again, at this point, you do see teams like the Nuggets kind of play the Blazers the way they played them this weekend, where maybe not playing their best or their hardest, but then at a certain point in time, they realize, hey, we might actually lose this game and start playing the way they're supposed to play. The fact that the Blazers are just forcing teams to do that now is a good sign of growth for this team. You know, I think they've they've put that awful two-week road trip behind them. They've played much better basketball since then with Anthony Simons, DeAndre Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Grant, Jabari Walker, Scoot Henderson, a bunch of guys are making improvements and playing some pretty good basketball this season. And the result of that has been this team is just much more competitive. Again, they're not getting a ton of wins right now, 15 wins on the season with 32 games still left to play, but they are playing a much better brand of basketball, a brand of basketball that you can watch and understand what this team wants to be going forward. There's been times this season where I don't know that you can necessarily say that, Recently, you absolutely can. It seems like this team is starting to round into form a bit, which gives you some real cause for optimism going into these last couple months of the season and into the offseason and into future seasons for the Trailblazers. And one of the areas for significant optimism as of late, as I've mentioned, is a play of Scoot Henderson, who has been on an absolute tear as of late. Last five games, Scoot averaging 27.3 minutes, 17 points on 44% shooting from the field, 45% shooting from three, and 97% shooting from the free throw line to go with 4.6 assists, 3.8 rebounds, half a steal, half a block, while turning the ball over 2.2 times per game. Those are phenomenal numbers for Scoot. He's averaging 11 field goal attempts in his last five games. Again, 27 minutes. I know some people feel like maybe Scoot should be playing some more minutes, but I think they're at a situation right now where Scoot has to earn the minutes that he's going to get. And lately, he has absolutely been earning those minutes. In his last 10 games, Scoot averaging 13.5 points on 42% shooting from the field, 37% shooting from three, and 97% shooting from the line to go with 3.6 assists and 2.8 rebounds in 22.4 minutes per game. That's in his last 10. Scoot Henderson really making some progress. I think bringing him off the bench makes a lot of sense. I would imagine at this point that Scoot will continue to come off the bench unless we have a host of injuries. If the Trailblazers don't make any moves at the trade deadline, and when Shaden Sharp comes back from injury, which I assume he probably won't play before the All-Star break, but I imagine he will be ready to go 100% 
after the All-Star break. At that point in time, I would expect Shaden is going to start. So unless there's multiple injuries, I imagine that Scoot is going to continue to come off the bench. And I feel like that's absolutely the best thing for him at this point in time. You watch the way the Scoot plays as a starter compared to the way he plays coming off the bench. It seems like he's just much more comfortable, much more able to do what he can do against second units than he can at this point in his career versus first units. I don't know if this is necessarily a fair way to judge it because he was obviously much earlier in his rookie season when he was starting. But as a starter, Scoot shooting 35% from the field compared to 39% coming off the bench, shooting 29% from three-point line compared to 33% coming off the bench. I don't think this is, again, a really good indication because starting or coming off the bench, why would your shooting matter? But he's shooting much better from the free throw line as a bench guy, 89% there compared to when he starts. 67% there. And again, I don't think it's necessarily a fair way to judge him because he was starting early as he was trying to figure things out as a rookie. He's come a long way since then. But it just goes to show that starting is not necessarily the way that you get better. It can be a way you get better. Playing minutes is a way you can get better, but not necessarily playing all the minutes they can throw at you, not necessarily playing minutes that you haven't earned. Those aren't necessarily ways to get better. They can help you get better, but it's not necessarily what you need to do. I think they figured that out with Scoot, and I think they've done a very nice job of bringing him along since trying to start him early on in the season, really kind of struggling, and then at that point in time, reassessing, putting him on the bench. Ever since, he's played much better basketball. I think it's ridiculous, a lot of the criticism that Scoot was getting earlier on in his rookie season, up to and including people talking about whether or not he was a bust which not even halfway through a rookie season is a ridiculous thing to say. So I'm glad that he's put that behind him. But everyone just needs to take some time with Scoot Henderson, allow him to become the player that he's going to become. I feel like the Blazers have done a really nice job bringing him along slowly, not giving him too much. I think initially they tried to see how much he could handle. I think they realized that they need to maybe pull back on some of that. And ever since then, I think the approach that they've taken has really worked. It's worked out for the team. It's worked out for Scoot. And it's worked out for his teammates as well. I imagine we're going to see great things from Scoot in the last couple months of the season, just like with Chris Murray. Maybe he gets back in the starting lineup, but I think it's more likely than not he continues to come off the bench because he just plays better basketball at this point in time coming off the bench. And why mess with a good thing? So pay attention to Scoot Henderson in the second half of the season. I think he's going to make a run. And I'm going to make a prediction right now. Scoot Henderson going to win one Rookie of the Month award before the end of his first season. All right, moving on. Just a reminder that the NBA trade deadline is on February 8th. That's on Thursday. I believe around noon is when the deadline expires. Blazers playing that night versus the Detroit Pistons. So by the time the Blazers play that game, we will know what their roster is going to look like for the rest of the season. The Blazers, multiple first round picks going into next year. The Blazers also with two open roster spots as of right now. So they've got assets They've got flexibility, and they've got some players that have interest throughout the league. I think we've seen some of the names that get thrown out on a regular basis who are on the Trailblazers, guys who other teams might be interested, particularly teams that are looking to make playoff runs, might be interested in acquiring. Obviously, something could absolutely happen between now and the Thursday deadline. But as of right now, it seems like it's pretty quiet out there on the trade front. The consensus seems to be that the Blazers, while they would absolutely be willing to do a deal if one came to them that they felt good about, are not necessarily out there trying to make a deal happen. 
The consensus seems to be that they know they have a little bit of extra time before they have to make a decision on some of these players. And if the deals that are getting offered as of right now, if they're even getting offered deals right now, are not what they want to see, then they're fine kicking that can down the road, at least into the offseason, to figure out at that point in time if maybe some of the returns they might get for some of these players that have value throughout the league might increase. That's always a little bit of a gamble. But if you're talking about deals where you're getting second round picks and maybe some players that you're not entirely all that enthusiastic about anyways, at that point in time, I think it probably behooves you to just consider what you have, continue to develop the players in-house with veterans, and then maybe make a run at doing something bigger as you get to the offseason. Now, granted, it might just take one move. For another team to open everything up, we have already seen quite a bit of, we already have seen a number of deals happen before the trade deadline, probably even a few more deals than we're accustomed to seeing before a regular trade deadline. So that makes me a little reluctant to say that there's some big move out there that's yet to be made, that when that move happens, a lot of moves will happen after that. That's typically the way things go at the deadline. There's maybe one or two big deals out there that everyone's waiting to happen. Once those deals do happen, everyone else goes about conducting their business after that, once they know kind of the landscape in which they're dealing. I don't really know if that's the case this season. It seems like there's quite a few teams that feel like they're okay, quite a few teams that feel like they're in the hunt. You just had the 76ers who had Joel Embiid go down with an injury that sounds like he's going to be out for an extended period of time, so you know how that changes the way that they're approaching the deadline. You hear a lot about teams that are maybe trying to save money under the new CBA, so it's a little hard to figure out how those teams are going to deal with the deadline. You've probably got three or four teams in each conference that feels like they're legitimate contenders. Is one of those teams going to make a deal? Do any of those teams have enough assets to make a deal for one of the players that the Blazers have? Not so sure about that. So we will see in a couple of days how things shake out. But as of right now, it seems like it might be a quiet trade deadline, not just for the Trailblazers, but for the entire NBA. All right, let's get to the numbers portion of this edition of the briefcase. Trailblazers offensive defensive ratings, 29th in offensive rating at 108.2 points scored per 100 possessions, which is ahead of the Grizzlies and behind the Hornets, and that's basically unchanged from last week. 21st in defensive rating at 117.1 points allowed per 100 possessions, which is behind the Grizzlies and ahead of the Spurs, which is a couple decimal points worse than last week, but they obviously didn't move in their rankings, so no real issue there. And their net rating of minus 8.2 is 26th, which puts them behind the Grizzlies and head of the Spurs. And that is a one-spot improvement over last week. So the Blazers not making any big moves in their offensive or defensive rating this week. They did last week, actually, their defensive rating. I think they jumped up two or three spots in defensive rating last week. No moves this week in terms of their ratings, but a small movement up in terms of their net rating, which is nice to see as well. And in terms of the important numbers, the gambling numbers, your Portland Trailblazers have covered in four straight games. They were five and a half point underdogs versus Philadelphia and won that game by 26. They were 10 and a half point underdogs versus the Milwaukee Bucks and won that game by three. They were 14 point underdogs to the Denver Nuggets in the game on Friday and lost that by 12. And they were 15 point underdogs in the game on Sunday and lost that by nine. And not only have the Blazers covered in four straight games, but they've also covered in nine of their last 12 contests. So that's actually a pretty good indication as well of their improved play. I think Vegas saw how poorly they played at times this season, set some of those lines really high, and recently the Blazers playing better basketball, which makes them a team much more likely to cover now than they were on, say, that two-week road trip. And in terms of their season total, at 61% of the way through the season, the Blazers are 52% of the way to surpassing their over-under of 28.5 wins. So the Blazers have 15 wins in 50 games, 
which means that they're 52% of the way of surpassing their over-under, which they need to get to 29 wins in order to surpass their over-under, with 61% of the season elapsed. If the Blazers don't make a deal at the deadline, I think it could be conceivable that they go on a run to hit the over, but if they do make a deal at the deadline, it's hard to imagine they're able to get 14 more wins over the rest of the season, considering they have 15 wins after 50 games. That would mean they'd have to get 14 wins in 32 games. If they don't make a deal, if they keep this team intact, if they still have veterans on this team to help out the young players, I could see them going on a run. If they do make deals that send those players elsewhere, very hard to see that happening. And that's going to do it for this edition of The Briefs Case. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, the Blazers with a few days off before hosting the Detroit Pistons. I imagine they're actually going to be favored in that game as well. Blazers have not generally done well in games in which they've been favored this season. There hasn't been many of them, but they haven't done very well in those games. So we'll see if that's the case on Thursday before hosting the Pelicans on Saturday, February 10th, and then two games versus the Minnesota Timberwolves on February 13th and 15th before the All-Star break. So four games to go before the All-Star break all those games at home at Moda Center. But we'll pick that up on the next edition of The Briefcase. As always, thank you for joining me. Go to trailblazers.com slash podcast to subscribe to The Briefcase, The Blazers Balcony with Brooke Olsendam, and Section 113 with Travis and Michael. Also, go to trailblazers.com slash heart. Check out Brooke's Hurt Your Heart campaign. Just started throughout the month of February. If you've got a few dollars to peel off, consider doing that. We'll talk to you later. I'm Casey Holdall. Go Blazers. Go Blazers.